Good morning again. Uh, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor. We're so glad that you decided. There's a lot of places you could have gone today, um, and you decided to come here. So we're so happy about that. Um, and my son has been saying this all week, and I'll say it to you, happy Easter Day. That's what he keeps saying. Hey, happy Easter Day, Dad. I'm like, hey, happy Easter Day, son. Um, so uh, welcome to Impact Church. Um, before I was a lead pastor, I was a student pastor for a very long time. Um, and one thing I always found fascinating when I worked with students, and I didn't get why some students would do this, but they would. Um, there were, I would meet some students every once in a while that was about 16 years old, and I'd be like, oh, it's time for you to get your license. And they're like, yeah, I'm not in a rush, though. And in my head, that's the weirdest thing any student can say. Because when I was 16 years old, I was like, the second, the second I could get my license, I wanted to get it. I was anxious to get my license that um, I, the second I could get my learners, I took the test. The problem was I didn't study at all for the test. And I took that test. Um, I don't want you to like, think differently of me. But I had to take that test four times before I passed it. Now, that means I failed it three times. And first off, Mr. and Mrs. Judgmental in the audience, okay? <laughs> this is why I took, it took three times. The first try, I took too long. Like, I didn't know you could do that. There's like a time limit. And I was just doing, I was stuck on a question. Like, oh, I don't want to rush to this question. And before you know, it was like, hey, uh, too long, you're stupid, you're not going to be able to drive. It's like, okay. And then, I think it said that, you're stupid on there. And then, the second time, I was like, I am make sure, I, I don't know how long the time limit is, I'm going to fly through this, and I did, and I got way too many questions wrong, so um, I got it done in time, but there, again, it's, it's terrible that, I don't know if they still do this, it was a while ago when I got my license, but they tell you immediately, the second you do that last question, like, okay, hey, you failed again, you're really dumb. So, I did that, the third time I took it, there was one question I got wrong, too many. And so then the fourth time, I eventually got it. You should not ride in a car with me, by the way. Um, my mom took me to all of these. And some of you know my mom, some of you don't. Um, my mom is a very patient. It's a very, um, she, she's all about affirmation. She, like, cheers you on. And she's, she's that's the type of person she is. Um, first time I failed, she was like, I'm so sorry, honey. She was so sympathetic to me. And she was so, she felt so bad for me. Um, the second time I failed, she was still sympathetic, but just a little less. Like, okay, well, we'll get it the next time. The third time I failed, she was so mad at me for failing. I came out, and she could see my face. She went, are you serious? You failed that test again? And here's why she was mad. Um, she had to go to the DMV three times and had nothing to show for it. She had to drag her son and left the same way she walked in. She, she was so mad at me. I felt like the failure of all time. I couldn't believe that I failed that test three times. And I wish that I could stand up here today and be like, ever since that day, I haven't failed since. I've been, I, I learned my lesson about everything, and now I'm good to go. I've never failed since. But I can't tell you that, because as a husband, I have failed so many times. There are some times where you get in a fight with your spouse, and it's like, you're like, there's a percentage of you that's right, and sometimes you can kind of figure that out. And then there are times where I've gotten in fights with my wife, like, oh, I'm 100%. And I know it in the wrong here. I failed so many times as a husband. As, as a parent, I have failed a lot. Um, I have kids that I'm learning. I just don't know like, the best way to handle some, some of our kids. My, my oldest daughter is a little more emotional, and I'm not that emotional. And so there's times where I'm like, trying to help her through the things she's going through. And when I'm done, I'm like, I did my best, and I probably messed her up for her life. I don't know what I'm doing. I've failed a lot as a parent. As a pastor, I still have no clue what I'm doing. Like when we started Impact Church, I felt like there should be some kind of test that I would have failed um, to say, tell, say you're ready to be a lead pastor and I didn't take it. I have no clue what I'm doing to this day. I feel like I should probably learn it at some point. 
I have failed over and over and over again, and I get it, fail, all of us fail at times. You can look up failure, and you can find some very inspirational quotes. In fact, I did that this week, and I found this quote from Michael Jordan, very inspirational. Here's what he said about failure. He said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times, I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life, and that's why I succeed. And I read that and go, that is so inspirational. Here's the problem. I'm not Michael Jordan, the best basketball player of all time. And all you LeBron fans out there, he's the best one. Get over it. I'm, that's not me. So it's like, yeah, I read this quote, and it's awesome, but I'm not Michael Jordan. So what do I do about that? So my guess is that I'm not the only one that feels way at times. I'm not the only one that feels like a failure at times. My guess is some of you in this room feel like a failure at times. For some of you, you go to church consistently. Maybe this is your church home, or maybe you're visiting and you're here, and you normally go to church, but you're just at this church today, and, and we're so glad you're here. Um, so maybe some of you are in that boat, and you try really hard to read your Bible, and you try really hard to pray, and you try really hard to follow God. You try really hard, but yet you feel like you keep messing up over and over, and you get to a point where it's like, shouldn't I be better at this? Why do I keep struggling with the same things when I'm trying really hard to follow God? Some of you probably feel like me at times, like a failure. Some of you, I know Easter works, you just simply don't want to be here. And I get it. I'm glad you're here, but you were dragged here. Your, your parents made you come or, your, or your, your, your spouse made you come and you're here and you didn't really want to be here, but you know what? It's Easter. I feel like this is the one time I definitely have to come. And so you don't really want to hear about stuff that you're not even sure if you even believe anyways. And you don't really want to hear about um, a different way to live when you're living a certain way. And, and at times you can feel like a failure because you're like, I, I don't know if I want to be around these people or feel a certain way. And maybe they're right. Maybe they're wrong. I don't think they're right, but I, I'm stuck here anyways. Some of you may feel like that. Some of you, you used to go to church and maybe you got burned by a church and this is your first time back in a while, or maybe COVID happened. And COVID happened, and it was like, okay, well, we're, we got to stay back because we got to be safe. And then you started doing online church, and that was fun for a little bit. And then you got really tired of online church, and I get it. It was just not the same. So you're like, I'll just sit back, and then when, when things clear up, I'll come back. And then things started to clear up, but you're like, I'm not ready yet, so you didn't go. And then all of a sudden, it got a long time. Like, oh, two years have gone by, and I haven't gone to church in two years. And I also didn't really miss it that much. And you, at times, feel like, well, I don't know if I can go back now. It's been too long, and I, and I kind of like not going. Some of you could feel like a failure like that. And I don't say any of that to make anyone feel guilty at all. I completely get it. I get how habits start, and the worst thing that anyone can do, especially a pastor can do, is make you feel bad about whatever journey you're currently on. That's not my point. Here's why I'm saying all that. I want us to understand one thing. We all, at times, fail. We are not alone in our failure. If failing makes us a failure, then we are in a room full of failures. And most likely, I'm probably the number one failure. Or I'm not, and I failed in the failure contest, right? That's what we all in this room feel the same way. That is why, because I know who I am, I know my struggles, and I know all the times I've failed, that is why I really like the story of Peter in the Bible. Because Peter, to me, is someone I can really relate to. Peter is a guy who was bold, Peter was a guy who, who went all in, who really wanted to follow Christ the right way, but he failed miserably. And the story of Peter and Peter's failure shows us the heart of Easter. And Peter's timeline and the stages he went through most likely reflect some of our timeline and some of our stages that we went through. And here's what they are. 
first Peter was called. Peter wasn't his, his born name. It was Simon. He grew, it was born Simon, he, and Simon was a fisherman. His job as Simon was to catch fish. That's what fishermen do. And one night, Simon, along with his brother Andrew, they're fishing all night, and they can't catch anything. There's nothing to catch, and just trying to catch fish. And they come back during the day with no fish, and they see Jesus there. And Jesus is preaching to a little small group. And Jesus says, hey, Simon, can I get on your boat so I can, like, speak a little louder and be higher so I can speak louder? And he's like, yeah, go ahead. So Jesus gets on Simon's boat and keeps preaching. Sermon's over. And then Jesus says, hey, Simon, let's go back out. Let's go fishing. Simon's like, listen, I'm a, I'm a fisherman, and we were fishing all night. We, we, there's no fish. Like, I've, I've done this a lot. Sometimes you go out. There's no fish. You just have to call it a day. But you know what? If you, it makes you happy. Let's go fishing again. They go out. They put their nets down. And they go to catch a fish, and they can't believe how many fish they catch. Their boat almost sinks, that's what the Gospels say. Their boat almost sinks with the amount of fish that they catch. And Simon immediately knows this is a miracle. And immediately knows that this guy is the real deal. And so what he does, immediately, he goes down on his knees and says, Get away from me. I am a sinful man. I cannot be in your presence. And what Jesus says in Luke chapter 5, verse 10, he says this to Simon. He says, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Jesus makes it clear who he is. And he calls Simon to follow him. And Jesus is still calling people to follow him. Not just people. Jesus is calling you to follow him. Jesus invites us to drop our nets, drop our identity, drop our burdens, drop everything that we have to follow him. Simon had heard about Jesus before this encounter. He had heard about him. He kind of, word was on the street about Jesus at this point, but he wasn't sure about him yet. It wasn't until an event that revealed personally to Simon who Jesus was that he finally decided to drop his nets and commit. Listen, G Jesus still reveals personally to each one of us. Sometimes it is through a friendship or a relationship that someone says something a certain way and it clicks with you. You're like, oh, I never thought about it that way. And all of a sudden you start to think about this whole Jesus thing a little differently. Jesus still does that. Sometimes it's through investigating in the word yourself or reading books in the Bible and just like, you know what? I don't know if I believe any of this, but I'm going to at least try to discover truth in this world. So I'm just going to read it. And I'm going to figure it out. And I don't know if I believe it. And over time, eventually like, oh, something clicked. Wait, I think I actually might do believe in this. That's Jesus revealing himself personally. to you. Sometimes it's in a service like this. And the pastor says something that just clicks with you. You're like, how did he know I was going through that? And newsflash, I don't. But something clicks, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, maybe God's trying to speak to me right now. He still personally invites us. Jesus is still calling people. That means Jesus is calling you. He is calling you and inviting you into relationship with him. And some of you, you're at this stage. Stage called. After Simon is called, Simon is changed. Stage two. Jesus is with his disciples, and he asks them a question. He says, hey, um, what do people say about me? Like, the, what's the word on the street? What are people talking about when it comes to me? And they say, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you might be Moses. And then Jesus goes, hey, uh, well, what do you say about me? Like, who do you think I am? And my guess is the disciples do what we did in school when the teacher's about to ask a question and we start pretending to write something when we're not really hoping the teacher doesn't look at us. Because the disciples have been here before. They know Jesus does, like, trick questions sometimes. And he answers with a story. And it's like, that wasn't an answer. It's like, oh, you figured it out. So Jesus does that sometimes. So they're all like, oh, I'm not sure. But not Simon. Simon's like, no, 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 I know. So he, he bold Simon, starts speaking up. He says, no, you are the Messiah. Here's what he says. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Translation, 
the one all the prophets told us about. If you read the Old Testament, the prophets, they talk about this Messiah coming. The one that the prophets talked about, that's you. That's you. The one God promised to send one day, that's you. You are the one we've been waiting for. You are the one who will bring in the new covenant. You are the one we are meant to follow. Jesus replies, verse 17, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Simon is changed to Peter, which translates to rock. And Jesus promised that Peter is going to do amazing things. And this rock, this foundation, that Jesus is going to build his church on it. And here we are, thousands of years later, still celebrating at a church that Simon was the foundation that started it all. Simon, who turns into Peter, is completely changed. I truly believe that following the message of Jesus is the best way to live. I really do. Jesus, not necessarily evangelical Christianity, that culture tells us, but the message of Jesus, when you truly understand it, I believe it's the best way to live. Jesus says that everything we do should be for the betterment of other people. That everything you do and I do should be thinking about everyone else first. That that's how we should live. That, that we should do that. And when we do that, we're going to find something interesting. We're actually going to find satisfaction in it. Giving less away. Giving ourselves away. Find satisfaction and contentment. Um, he's also said that we, we have all this stuff that we have, that all that earthly stuff should not be our main concern. That we should be more, caring more about giving stuff away than keeping stuff. And when you do that, you will have joy no matter what because you are living for something bigger. I truly believe that the message of Jesus, even if you don't believe it, even if you don't believe he actually died and actually rose again, if you still followed the message that he said, if you still follow that, even and believe that, I believe it's the best way for anyone to live. Once you meet Jesus, he begins to change you. He changes you to look more like him to live beyond ourselves. And some of us are here. Change stage. Simon, after he turns into Peter, is changed. Next, he's challenged. This is the hardest part in life. I wish I could tell you that when you give your life to Christ, everything will be better. That you will be happy. Nothing bad will ever happen to you. You're going to be blessed so much that that job, you're going to get it. And, and that healing you're praying for, you're going to get it. And all that stuff. And some churches do that. Some churches tell you that. But the message of Jesus never said that. He said, no, no, you're going to have trouble in this life. You're going to be challenged in life. In fact, you're going to be challenged at times because you say you believe in me. I promise you that they're going to be hard. Look at all the disciples. All the disciples died gruesome deaths. We will be challenged in life. I wish I could tell you otherwise, but Jesus doesn't say that we're going to be completely happy and never go through pain and never go through storms and never go through any trouble. No, no, no. He says, no, you will be challenged. And at times, our integrity is going to be challenged. Our morals are going to be challenged. Our values, our beliefs, there will be challenges. Jesus is at the Last Supper. He's about to be arrested that night before he's crucified and, and uh, put on trial and crucified. And he's there, and he's telling his disciples, hey, this is it. This is the end. I'm about to do what I came here to do. And by the way, all of you, all my friends here, you're all going to leave. You're all going to betray me. You're all going to go away. You're all not going to be there for me when I need you. And, but Peter says, no, 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 not me. I'm the rock. I will never deny you. Here's what he says, Matthew 26, verse 33. Peter replied, even 
If all fall away on account of you, I never will. And you know what? I, I think Peter meant it. Because later on, he's at the garden um, with Jesus, and the centurions come to arrest Jesus. And Peter decides, no, 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 I'm the rock, not on my watch. So Peter pulls out his sword, and he gets the guy's ear. The problem is he was trying to probably kill, do something else, do a kill shot, but he's just terrible with the sword, so he just only got the ear. He was probably trying, my guess is, I don't know this, but my guess is he remembered that Jesus said, you're going to deny me. And at that moment, he's like, you know what? I'm going to make sure I don't. I'm going to prove to him that, you know what? I'm the rock, and I'm going to show you that I would never, never deny you. That's not me. Everyone else might, but me, Peter, the rock, I would never deny you. Verse 34, truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me, you'll disown me three times. Peter, not only are you going to deny me, you're going to do it three times. That's what's going to happen before the night is over. Three times. This is a challenge. Peter, who's supposed to be the rock, is faced with a situation that he has never been in, not knowing what to do. We all face challenges, and you know what? Sometimes we get through it. Sometimes we resist those temptations. A situation arises that, that tempts our character, that tempts what we stand for, and we stand strong. Sometimes uh, a person tests our integrity, and we don't fall for it, and that's great. Some of us are in the midst of challenges now. My prayer is that you don't fall for it. But all of us at times have challenges that come our way, and we fail. And that's the next stage, failed. Jesus is arrested. He's taken into custody. Peter, he eventually gets into the, the high priest court, and he's trying to see what happens. He's looking at Jesus. Jesus is arrested, and he's, he's there in front of the high priest. And, Jesus is, and Peter's there kind of watching what happens. And then someone comes up to him. Chapter 18 says, you aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I'm not. It's one. Then um, the book of John records it this way, that Peter stood around a fire. It was cold out, so he went to stand by a fire. And there's actually a word for, for fire that John uses here. It's the Greek word anthrakian. The word is only used twice in the entire uh, book of, of John. Only used twice. This is the first time. He stands by this fire trying to warm himself up because it's cold out. And all of a sudden, somebody else comes up to him. Verse 25. Meanwhile, Simon Peter, meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. Stu. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it, and at that moment, the rooster began to crow. It's three. Peter failed. He failed. He failed his friend at his, at his moment that he needed him the most. The other gospels say that uh, Peter, uh, the third time, started sending curses out, almost like to say, hey, would a follower of Jesus talk this way? And then the other gospels also say that when he denies him the third time and he hears the rooster crows, that he starts weeping because he knows the one thing he said he wouldn't do, his biggest failure just happened. He denied him. And we do it too. We may not right deny Jesus like, like Peter did, but a lot of us deny him with our actions. We say we follow Jesus, but we don't feed the poor. We don't help the vulnerable the way Jesus commanded us to. We may say it, but we're denying him. 
We say we follow Jesus, but we don't submit to our spouse. It says that when it's our spouse, we should be mutually submission, mutual submission. That wives should submit to your husbands, husbands submit to your wives. And we say we follow Jesus, but we don't actually submit to our spouses. We're denying them. We may say that we follow Jesus, but our primary goal is to get as much as we possibly can, and we don't give any of it away. We're denying them. It doesn't matter what you say. So when we fail, when we feel like we could never come back, when we feel like we are too far gone, what do we do next? What can we possibly do to make it up? Here's what a lot of us do. Good deeds. That's going to do it. If I just do a lot of really good things and maybe I'll give some stuff away and I'll just be really good, then I'll finally make up my failure. Some of us, we go, you know what? I'm going to follow the rules. You know what? I'm, I failed, so I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to start going to church. And, and God, I'm going to start following you the way I'm supposed to. I'm going to do whatever you tell me I'm supposed to do. And what we're doing is we're trying to find a way in our control to make up for our failure, but you know just as well as I do that it never will. Not only will it not make up for our past failures, but then we're going to fail again. It's a never-ending cycle. So if we feel like a failure, or if we have messed up and we have failed, and we have our own fire that we have failed at, what do we do next? What can we do with our failure? The answer, nothing. We do nothing. He does it all. If, in, if you are currently in this stage, the failed stage, you have failed in whatever way you you decide it's failure. Whatever way that you see it as failure. If you're in that stage, I have good news for you. This isn't the last stage. This isn't the end of Peter's story. After the failed stage comes restored. After Peter's failure, you know what Peter does next? He goes back fishing. He goes back to what he used to do. The very thing Jesus called Peter from, that's where Peter goes back. And he didn't just go fishing. He goes fishing in Galilee. Galilee is 70 miles away from Jerusalem, the place where Peter failed. He didn't run back to his old ways. He ran from everything. Peter's fishing some of the other disciples, and he's catching nothing. Does that sound familiar? And all of a sudden, he sees this guy on the beach, and this guy says, hey, put your net on the other side. So, I mean, they try it, put it on the other side, and all of a sudden, they catch so much fish, their boat almost sinks. Sounds familiar? And right then, Peter knew, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. Peter jumps out of the water, and he swims back. And you know what the book of John says that Peter sees? The second time this word is used, Anthrakian. Jesus had prepared a fire. He made breakfast for Peter. And then Jesus does something interesting. He says this, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. That's one. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. That's two. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. That's three. You know what Jesus is doing here? For every denial, Jesus responds with reinstatement. For every mistake, Jesus responds with hope. For every failure, Jesus responds with restoration. In the same place that Peter failed, 
is the same place that he is reinstated. Don't miss that. Anthrakian, only used twice. Peter's failure, when he's reinstated. And this is the message of Easter. This is the message of the gospel. The message that Jesus is the Savior who will travel 70 miles to find someone, a friend, who betrayed him. To make him a fire and a breakfast so that he can reinstate a person who could do nothing for him. That is the message of the gospel. Easter is the day that we celebrate the fact that Jesus died on a cross for all of your failures and all of my failures. But he didn't just die. He came back like three days later to prove that whatever you did wrong is fully forgiven. If Jesus does not resurrect, and I mean literally, if he does not come back to life, we're wasting our time here. There's no point in being here. I believe he actually did, and the reason why I believe it is because we're still here talking about it. There's no reason for this message from a carpenter from, from a nowhere town to still be talked about 2,000 years later. There's no reason for it. Why would that happen? There's no reason for that to happen unless he actually died, unless he actually rose again. There were a lot of good teachers. There were a lot of good prophets back then that we aren't talking about at all. There were a lot of good ones. The only reason we're still talking about this one is because a man died and three days later came back to life. That's going to last. And Rome couldn't do anything about it. And the disciples, even though they all left and they all, and they all went away, they couldn't change anything about it. it, ha- it we're still talking about it today because a man actually came and died for our sins. And the message of the gospel means that if he died and came back to life, that means that you and I actually have hope. We can actually be forgiven for what we've done. See, Easter isn't just the recognition of when Jesus was resurrected. Easter is the declaration that Jesus is resurrection. That's why our symbol for restoration is a cross and not a ladder. That's why Jesus didn't say, hey, it's time to get to work. He said, no, it is finished. You're forgiven, not because you are so good, but because I have paid the debt. Because Jesus is resurrection, that means he is our advocate. Here's what that means. 1 John 5 says that Jesus is our advocate. Here's the way I see it. Every time you or I do something wrong, there's a court that happens. Every sin that I've done wrong makes me guilty in this court. We're there at court. The judge is there. says, well, how do you plead? Well, I've done it all. I'm guilty. And on the other side is the enemy. The other side is our consequences saying, yeah, he is guilty. She is guilty. And you know what they deserve? Death. They deserve the penalty for their sin. They messed up. They did something wrong. They deserve the penalty. Every time we sin, this happens. But Jesus, being our advocate, stands up and says, no, listen, judge. Yes, this person sinned. Yes, Eric has sinned a lot. Yes, he's done it. But I already paid the price for his sin. I already died and paid the penalty. So I'm not here asking you for mercy. I'm asking you for justice. It would not be just to make him pay for the thing I already paid for. I already paid the debt, so he should be set free because I took the penalty. That's justice. Every time we fall short, every time we fail, every time we sin, that's what happens. Jesus is our advocate who demands justice. That is why we celebrate Easter, because it proves that none of us are too far gone. 
that none of us are too much of a failure. So what do we do next? What do we need to do? All we need to do is come back. That's it. Come back to that place. Come back to that fire. Come back to that place of failure, whatever that is. Because that place, whatever it looks like for you, that is the same place that he's ready to restore you, to resurrect you. The same place. Whatever that is. Because I believe that Jesus Christ has called you, that Jesus Christ has changed you, he can restore you, he can resurrect you. He is the one who advocates for you. You say, well, how do we come back? Four easy ways. Believe, confess, repent, baptize. That's what we do. Believe, confess, repent, be baptized. First, we believe. Say, you know what? I do believe that he is the resurrection. I do believe that he is God. I do believe that he actually rose again. Believe. Then we confess. Say, I know what I've done wrong. I know the things that make me guilty. We confess it. We say, God, I bring it to you. Then we, we repent. Repent isn't just us saying sorry. It's us. We're going this direction. We decide I'm not going this direction anymore. I'm going to go your way. I'm not going to go down the path of sin and of failure that I've been on for a while. I'm going to turn around and go back to the way that you want me to live. That's repentance. And then we get baptized. Baptism is a public declaration of what God is doing inside of you. There's nothing magical about it. It doesn't get you to a better slot of, in heaven. All it simply does is you tell the world what I believe. And we believe here that, that is your very next step after you believe, confess, and repent. Not before. That that is our next step. So whatever stage you're on, and whatever your fire looks like, what I want to encourage you today, on this Easter Sunday of 2022, is to take whatever next step you need to take. Some of you, you need to believe. Some of you need to confess. Some of you need to repent. Some of you need to get baptized. I want you to take whatever that failure is, whatever you think about when you see this fire, and remember, and we're not just celebrating the fact that Jesus was resurrected, we're celebrating the fact that he is resurrection. And if he's resurrection, that means he can resurrect you. So here's what I'm going to do as I close and the worship team is going to start coming on up. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. Whatever stage you're on, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come up here. I'm simply going to give you a, a, an opportunity to respond by praying and, and saying, God, you know what? I believe in you. This Easter Sunday, 2022, I want to be resurrected. So I'm going to simply lead you in a prayer. And what I want you, after we're done that prayer, I want you to tell somebody. You don't have to tell me. Tell someone you came with. Say, I, I've, made a, I've made a change. I've made a step. If you want to get baptized, tell one of the hosting people, and we will help you with that next step. But I want you to think about whatever that is that has been holding you back and say, God, I'm giving it to you today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. I have failed. But I know that you saved me. Dear God, today, I repent for my sins. I confess that you are the Savior. I turn toward you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. 
Thank you for being my advocate. Thank you for resurrecting me. In your son's name, amen. Let's stand, let's sing this song together.